0: folks can see their Bibles that'd be great. Thanks. Um, so just just so you know, uh going into tonight, uh, man, like this is like you don't you don't pastor a church and, and hope that like God doesn't do anything. You know I mean you get into this and your prayer all along is that is that you'll just keep seeing over and over people that are coming uh, to know Jesus, and then being discipled, and then discipling others. Like, that, that's, what you, that's what you do when you pass. like, you're, you're longing for that to happen. So, my heart's crazy full tonight, um, just, just because tonight's the reminder, like, the gospel's alive. Are we together? Like, it, it's, it's living, it's, it's, something's happening, God is moving, and we get to serve a living God. So, I, I'm glad you're here tonight. Now, one of the most amazing uh, days in your life, at least in mine is the day when your parents finally trust you to babysit. Now, um, for those of you that have younger siblings, that day is so empowering. I mean, you've, you've, you've waited for it, right? And like that one day when your parents finally say, listen, listen, little Marky, um, uh, we need to leave the house for a couple hours. And uh, this happened to me when I was nine or so. Uh, Janae was but a young lad. She's here in our community. Uh, many of you guys know her. So Mark, here's the deal. We're going to leave for a couple hours. You, you need to take care of your, of your sister. Now this for me was like so freeing. Because I mean, I had waited to be trusted by my parents. And that's like the epitome of it. Like whenever they say, we're giving you our, our third child in your hands for two hours. It's just humbling. And so not only was I going to get to watch her though, I was going to get to feed her a meal. Which that's like, a you know, that's, like it's one thing to trust someone. But meal time like that's a whole other ball game, right? So they leave and all is going great. I mean, we're enjoying time together. We're singing Kumbaya. We're, I'm teaching her God's word. I mean, we're just, we're hanging out. And um, and then it comes to mealtime. Now, I realize this now being a parent of three. I didn't realize it then, but um, most kids, they like hot dogs. Are you aware of this? Right. And so hot dogs was like my sister's um, meal of choice. But I had never cooked one before. And so... I placed the hot dog in the microwave and turned the timer on three minutes, um, not aware kind of what happens. And, uh, and actually, like, after seeing what happens, I just went ahead and did a couple more like that. I mean, you, you know, you can picture me like let's. So I cleaned up the shrapnel and and, um, and then fed her. And but but, you know, you need some veggies. And I, I was well aware of that as a nine and ten year old. You need your veggies. And so I threw some frozen peas in the mix as well. And so I I sat down uh, the meal before, we prayed for the food, I was feeling really like fatherly. And uh, so often uh, times what my dad would do um, after a long day's work is he would go and sit on the Lazy Boy. And so me wanting to be like my father, I've just, you know, babysat, been very parently to my uh, uh, sister. So I went and sat on the Lazy Boy. Well, a few minutes go by and, you know, I'm just kind of enjoying whatever's happening on the television. And then pretty soon, I hear uh, the words, uh, Marky Poo Poo. Now, uh, that's what my uh, sister called me. That's what uh, my family called me. If I even hear those words uttered out of your mouth, uh, we will uh, have trouble. Um, but she, she calls out Marky Poo Poo. And, uh, and so I, I go back to her. And um, so I get there, and I'm thinking we're going to have like a special moment. She's going to say, th- you know, thank you for all that you've done in her uh, whatever language, the Ewok she's speaking at the, as the young girl. But instead, she, she lifts up her, no, her nostril. She kind of like points her head back like this. And, uh, and so I'm like, I kind of get underneath it. And I'm struck by this certain reality that that's either one large nostril obstruction or that's a pee, you know. <laughs> and so like I come in for a closer look, unfortunately. And what had happened is my sister lodged a pee halfway up her nostril, okay. Uh, now, I, I'm not sure if this happened to you on the first time you babysit. But your parents come home from that venture and and like you lose every privilege that you ever thought you had. I mean, my sister had to go to the hospital. Thankfully, we had a nurse across the street. My mom's freaking out. This is before cell phones. You can just get in touch with people. She comes home. My sister's already at the hospital. I mean, that that moment. Listen, you've had this moment with parents or friends of yours where you feel like all trust has been lost. That is just a, a, a wrecking moment in your life. Like when you've when you've. Or someone else has placed trust in you, and you've lost that. Marriage, relationship, friends, whatever. Can we just agree, like, that is just a wrecking moment. There's, like, few things that dig in your stomach more. And in that moment, for me, my my parents come home, they're like, seriously? Like, two hours, and a hospital visit the first time, right? I mean, I didn't watch her again until I was 18, for heaven's sakes, you know? Um, (laughs) That moment is so wrecking. I've been pondering a lot uh, as we began Hebrews. The fact that we would finally get there. What I mean by finally get there is we would finally get to chapter 11. It's been a long journey. Chapter 11 is the most um, famous chapter in the book of Hebrews. And the whole tension of chapter 11 is this concept and reality of faith and trust. Now, I know full well that in this room, when we start talking about faith in others and faith in God and Trust that we 're just in varied places all over the map tonight, what I hope um, is an encouragement to your heart. I hope what happens is that all of a sudden, like the scripture starts to teach us teach us about what this faith and trust in God looks like, and so we 've been waiting for like months and months and months, and so now. Here we are. So I invite you guys to open your Bibles to Hebrews uh, chapter eleven. I think um, we think that the that God, when we fail Him, uh, kind of has that that disappointed dad. And the thing on this side of Jesus and your walk with Him, the beautiful thing is just uh, the Bible says that we're seen through the lens of Jesus, who was perfect. That's what grace is, my friends. When we fail, when we're faithless. The Bible says he remains faithful. Amen? So let's read these uh, first three verses. We're going to be in uh, chapter 11 for 11 weeks. We're trying to set a record. Um, so tonight we'll just wrestle with three verses and go to it. Verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old receive their commendation. It's an interesting word in verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Uh, These verses have been on uh, every possible Christian paraphernalia, uh, on the mugs, on the shirts, on the bracelets. Tonight, let's put it in context, though. Are are we together? I, I don't know if you know this, but when God was inspiring man to write the Bible, he wasn't like, and now put a one in front of this verse, and now comma and exclamation point, right? So later, as the Bible is compiled, the numbers, the verse titlings, the chapter title, all those things are added later. So the cool thing about these three verses is that they connect with the end of Hebrews 10, which said this. But my righteous one shall live by faith. This is, uh, again, quoting Habakkuk like we saw last week, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The righteous one shall live by faith. Verse 39, but... We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. Look look at this. But of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Ten chapters worth in Hebrews, talking about the supremacy of Jesus and how the new covenant is way better than the old covenant because the new covenant is what ushered in the era of Christ as Messiah. And so this transitions from, were these people... We're not weak. We are these people of faith. And so then he says in verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Let's break this down in three components. Now faith is the what? What's the word? The assurance. a uh, Better foundation, firm foundation. I love the words is the. Like This is our definition of faith that means it can't be less than that. Faith is the assurance. That means it can't be less than the assured. You guys see what I'm saying? If faith is the assurance, that means anything less than that, what? Is not faith. So right off the bat, as we're getting into this long chapter, we have a crystal clear picture of what faith is. Now, I wanna wrestle uh, through this with you because I know many of you guys come in here in one of these uh, three categories. Next slide. Uh, for, for some of you, your faith, assurance, and the person of Christ and what he's done is completely non-existent. Now, I bring these three things up, and I'm going to talk through them. So that as we're getting into this 11-week series on faith, through chapter 11, we can just take a moment right now and just indicate where we're at. So for some of you, it's non-existent, right? Like you walked in here, like, these, these baptisms completely confuse you. Like, why would people ever confess Jesus as Lord? So I know full well, some of you, because these five were at one time. Like, no faith, no trust, belief in themselves. They're the anchor of their souls, right? So for some of you, it's non-existent. The next word I want to use is fragile. Now, uh, Nathan Bursak, a good friend here, covenant member at Matthias, uh, made these awesome uh, chalices that we take communion in. Now, for many of you, uh, this is, by the way, a very fragile uh, piece uh, these, this is pretty amazing, isn't it? Like, he, he made this. Like, I made a clay Indian one time, and it was horrible, but this is unbelievable, you know? <laughs> it's in the third grade, though. But um, Now, if, if, this, if I, like, throw this down, obviously, it's crumbling. Many of you walk in here in your faith, it's like, it's like right here. It's like right here on the edge. One conversation with a Mormon who asks you questions and begins to like morph your thinking a little bit. And this cup falls over the edge. Like, like you're that close to not, to not believing anymore. A one bad trauma in your life. And all of a sudden the cup just just crumbles. I have a huge heart for those of you in here who are like this. You walk in here and you feel like one little breeze. And like it's all over. And if not tonight, maybe you know the feeling. Maybe you went to college, and the first time that liberal professor said that God didn't do that, and you went back to your room, and for four days just found yourself like, How can I believe then? For those of you that find yourself in this fragile state of faith, where any breeze, any tip, any slight uh, jankering will, will soon just hit this cup over, I just want to encourage you with this. Listen, 11 weeks worth of opportunity to continue to watch God, like, strengthen that faith. You see what I'm saying? I'm just asking you to identify where you're at tonight. Did you walk in here fragile? One conversation with one friend who challenges your faith, and it's all over. That's you, I just want you to be able to admit it. The third, interesting, we talked about this a lot as a staff. The word I want to use is tender. The tender faith. The raw, the innocent, the able to absorb, is the kind of faith that isn't wavered by the questioning but is okay with it. In fact, like when someone questions, let's use the example again of the, the Mormon, they question their faith, that we begin speaking about Jesus. Uh, the, the person who's, whose faith is tender yet firm, they're able to talk for days with those individuals, and all of the talk, will not waver their faith, but rather will assure them deeper in the truths of God. Are you with me? It's, it's, it's innocent. It's tender. It, it takes in. It's able to absorb. It sits in the liberal classroom when the professor is saying all kinds of things that go against the Scripture. And the tender faith is able to say, I understand why you're saying that, but I don't agree. And here's why. And the questioning and the turmoil and the chaos in the world seem for these kind of people to deepen their faith. They go through crazy things in life. They experience death and distress. And it's as if their trust in God sinks in. So I recognize full well some of you walk in here with that kind of faith. Where any conversation about the things of God Though it may challenge your faith, it continues to assure you. You're not wavered by just a little breeze. You're hunkered down. So listen, here's our prayer going into this. For the people whose faith is non-existent, we're praying that God does a work in your heart. Faith is a gift. I cannot speak faith into you. I know there's a faith movement all around us. People who are saying, by faith this, by faith that. Faith is a gift from God, and I can't speak it into your life. Like, all of a sudden, I can't be like, and boom, like all of you trust. It comes from God, so that the scripture says, no man may boast. Are we together? All right? So, for for those of you who have a non-existent faith, I'm praying that through this journey, you'll keep coming back, and we'll keep wrestling, and pray that God will do something in your heart. For the fragile, I pray that God continues to assure, teach, hone, Break your heart so that as we entrench in the scripture, you go from like this, it could all be over tomorrow, to no, 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 like God is so real to me right now, you say anything against my faith and it will just reassure me of his power, right? And listen, for the strong, the tender, the firm, I hope that these in, uh, next 11 weeks for you, that they just like dig in so much deeper, that as we gaze at these things, you celebrate the faith God's given you. Are we together? we together? You're able to like sit back and say, thank you, that I'm able to trust not in myself or a culture, but in you, God. So faith is the assurance. It can't be less than that. It's assured. It's firm. It's foundational. Uh, Go back to verse one. What does it say next? It's the assurance of what? Things hoped for. Now, this is so crazy. Last week, listen, we talked and wrestled with our comforts. Remember this? The things that, like, make us comfortable, the things that we're drawn to. What you hope in reveals what you believe in. What you hope in reveals what you believe in. So, for those of you that in times of turmoil, chaos, joy, whatever, you're reaching out for these temporary comforts, the things that make you feel better about yourself, the things that are temporary, That kind of reaching out reveals a very fragile faith. Are we together? Because listen, you keep reaching out for the temporary and eventually the cup falls. Why? Because all of those comforts fail. They're temporary. They don't last. On the other side, for those of you that hope in the person of Christ consistently, the eternal nature of Christ and all the things that the writer of Hebrews has been saying, he's forever, he's eternal. You have a better hope we saw last week what it reveals in those people is a hope in the eternal nature of Christ. That's why faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Now, listen to this. This is crazy. One day, all the things that we hope for, listen to this. One day, all the things that we hope for, we will see. The person of Christ that we wait on. And in our heart, we're saying like, It's tough right now because I don't see him, but he's coming back. Do you realize that there will be a day that everything that you hope for will be, as the song says, your sight? You will see all the longings of your heart. Like, God, I hope you're real. I hope you're true. I believe you are. I know you can get me through this. One day, you will be face to face with that God who you've hoped for all along. Can you, for a second, just imagine the power of that moment when all of your faith and all of your hope is realized? Like that moment I cannot wait for. Because then all of the hope and all of the faith becomes so incredibly real. And that's why the Bible is not just a Bible of faith, but of logic. And we talk about this all the time. That moment came early for the disciples. They saw Jesus on the other side of the tomb. And so what they hoped for was looking at them in the face. And Thomas is like, I I, I don't believe. Here, come here. Like, touch this. See this? I'm, I'm alive. That will happen for followers of Christ. Our hope will be realized. It's tough, though, because the conviction of these things, the assurance of faith, the things we hope for, are not yet seen. The old analogy that I love is, is the wind. Like we don't, we don't see the wind, like the actual wind and particles of it, but we see the effects of the wind. One of my favorite shows is uh, Storm Chasers. Any fans? Um, next spring, uh, I've talked about this many years, but I really want to do it. I want to pack a bunch of guys in my minivan, and um, just go for it, man. Just head to Oklahoma, hope for the best, right? <laughs> just do it. Get our our little cell phone radar up. We'll be good to go, right? But the thing you realize when you see this tornado is like what makes it is the debris. You're not actually seeing the wind, you're seeing like what the wind is collecting up. And so we are trusting and believing not blindly, but in the power of who God is, unseen, though certainly real. And so our definition of faith then is seen here in verse 1. And this definition is going to drive us all the way through chapter 11. It's the assurance of things hoped for. What we hope in reveals what we believe in. The conviction, the reality of things not seen. Then he says this in verse 2. I love this. For by it the people of old receive their commendation. Any fans of the seasoned folks here? Any fans? Right. This should be a, some of your favorite verse here. The seasoned, I mean a little bit older, right? Um, we personally here at Matthias, we love the seasoned. We love the older. Um, here's why. And this is his point in... Um, Verse 2, my grandmother's 89. Uh, If there was still like sainthood, like she'd be rocking it. Um, She can't hear anything, but she can read the word. And I was sharing with uh, the married females uh, a couple weekends ago. About six months ago, I had a conversation with my 89-year-old grandma, and I was asking her what her favorite book of the Bible was, and, and she said, Ruth. And she like went on to describe like the powerful portrayal of God's grace in Ruth. And I was just like sitting there, I'm like, like this woman her faith is tried and true like like if you ask her a testimony I've been believing God since the 30s you know that's what she would say when did you come to Christ in the 30s like pre-World War II right like out of the depression like the 30s I know and so you look at a woman who's 89 and she's saying "Well, well tell me about your faith oh no problem There's 75 years worth of it. You look at her and you say, what? You teach me about faith. You see what I'm saying? Now, the amazing thing about a new new believer is we're still being taught about faith. We're seeing this innocence, this let's go for it. Christ is real. But in the seasoned believer, we're able to see what perseverance looks like. You see what I'm saying? Whatever she goes through, her husband passed away. Many years ago, she was brought through that. She has a firm foundation. And so what the writer here says, um, listen, here's what what we're going to do in this chapter. We're going to take some people that you Jews see as your heroes. And I'm going to show you, through the writing of this, how it was their faith that was seen as commendable in the eyes of God and not their works. Which for a Jew... In the Old Covenant, there was this perspective that it was works. Listen, it was never works. It was always faith. That's why Romans uh, says this. I want to read this for you in Romans uh, chapter 4 real quick. No need to turn there. Just let me read it real quick. Romans 4 verse 1 through 3. What shall we, uh, what, what then shall we uh, say was gained by Abraham? This old school, old, our forefather according to the flesh. Just listen to this verse 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Listen to this. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. His faith. All the way from the beginning, the issue has always been in the Scripture, faith. It's never been works, even pre-Christ. What the reality of the Old Testament says is, they can't obey me, but it was still this foundation of belief. Are we together? So here's what uh, chapter 11 does. Next slide. is It takes us through all of these heroes. So here's our plan. Here's what we're going to be doing. 11 weeks. Cain, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Jacob and Esau, Joseph, Part One and Two—that'll be crazy. Moses and Jericho—that's a place. Rahab, a couple of summaries. He goes through. Listen, all of these Old Testament, Old Covenant heroes, if you will, of the faith, and he says, he says these guys, like we need to learn from these these older, seasoned, now dead and gone folks who were a part of what you claim to be true. They believed, and it was credited to them as righteousness. So what, he, what he's saying is, then where is your faith? If Abraham, your forefather, his relationship with God was based on faith, then why are you still trying to earn it now? Right? So he says, like, that the old folks, they, that's how they came to their commendation. It was through faith. So it's going to be our plan, so I hope you're uh, ready to rock and roll the next several weeks. Now, uh, verse 3, uh, let's uh, finish up here in this. Next slide. By faith. Verse 3, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So verse 4, to the rest of Hebrews, all of this heroic, all of these people, their failings, their struggles, all of it. But in verse 3, listen, he gives us a case study for verse 1. Let's look at it again. Verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Verse 3, let me prove it to you. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Let's talk about this for a second. You want to start talking about creation? Things start get interesting, don't they? Start talking about how the world was created. Have you ever met someone that says, um, Yeah, so I wholeheartedly believe in creation and all the pieces of it and that it was God's hand it's it's the cross that I just really struggle with like rarely do you hear people say they affirm creation and then struggle with the cross in other words what they affirm at the beginning in creation it sets the tone for the rest of the Bible Are we together you affirm what God did in creation and then it sets the picture for how all of this is God's story. You look at creation and you're like, yeah, that's a nice fairy and fable, you know, fable and fairy tale. And I'm sure that makes a nice kid's picture book. But it really didn't happen that way. If you start out that way in the Bible, you're going to run into all kinds of issues of faith. Are we together? So let's look at Genesis 1 just for fun. This will be cool. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, there's there's nothing outside of God. God is. Uh, The word there, and I always talk about this, is Elohim. It's the plural word Father, Son, and Spirit. the Trinity, already in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God. He's there, nothing else is. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering. You see the Spirit there? Hovering over the face of the waters. And look at this, verse 3. Here's His point. And God said... There was nothing, and then God spoke. And because he spoke and his word rung true, let there be light. And what does the scripture say? And there was light. His point is this. Out of nothing, God's word spoke and then birthed something. And so you have to come to grips with is what God said is that enough for you? In other words, do you take God at his word? From the very beginning of the Bible, all the way through, the issue of faith is, do you take God at his word? Is it suggestions? Is it nice stories? Nice pleasantries to make us feel better about eternity? Or, are the words of God true, deep, convicting, and do they bring life? That's the issue. So he's like, listen, before we move any, any, any farther in this great line Of biblical heroes. Let's start at creation. Let's start in the very beginning. God spoke. And it came to be. And so we sit back and say. Do you take him for his word? Now put back up verse 3 for me if you could. By faith we understand that the universe. Was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things. uh, That are visible. Now I want to encourage you guys with this. Um a long journey through uh, 11 weeks worth of chapter 11. And one of the frustrating things as a pastor is what I've already talked about. I can't speak faith into you. I can't like all of a sudden like point to this slide and be like, all right now, like everyone just believe now, right? So we believe we good? Everyone's set, you know? And like all of a sudden high fives break out over the room and and we're ready to charge hell with a water pistol and we're going for it, you know, like we're, we're, it's go time. I, I can't, I can't make that happen. And it's somewhat frustrating um, as a pastor at times because I long for all of your fragile faith to firm up, you see. I long for all the non-existent believers to all of a sudden become existent, to start to believe. I, I long for those who have a firm foundation to be assured longer and deeper and wider. I, I, like, I long for that. That's the beating of my heart. So, what do we do? I think the first thing tonight is this. Is you get very honest with yourself about where you're at. Where is your faith tonight? Nonexistent, fragile, tender, firm. And then from there let me ask you this. No matter where that faith is, would you be willing? Would you be willing tonight to pray? That God would do a work through his word to deepen your faith. Would you be willing to to pray that? I can't pray for you. No one can pray for you. We can pray over you and for you and encourage you, but would you be willing to pray that as we start this journey? Would you be willing to say, God, listen, I kind of trust you in these things, but when it comes to this, I, I take full ownership. And so I want it back. Would you be willing to pray that? Let's stand together. I uh, have the opportunity all the time to share at different places, and it never fails. Just about everywhere I go, someone will come up at the end and they'll say, um, they'll say this. They'll say, Mark, why does faith matter? Why does faith matter? Why why should I even care? So I always have this opportunity to kind of sit back. and Just let the question like linger for a second. And then over and over and over, I'm able to share what God has done in my life. And so I say, listen, um, let me tell you why faith matters when my parents were going through divorce and like my family was being ripped apart let me tell you why faith matters because in that moment I had nothing else I had nothing else life was just falling away but in that moment I had him and let me tell you this in these moments as I watched my children be born you know why faith matters because it's in that moment I realized though these are precious gifts of God They're nothing in comparison to who he is. That's why faith matters. I have these awesome beings that are are made and they even look like me, but still without you I've got nothing. That's why faith matters. And in every day and every moment of my life, to say, does faith matter? I'm saying, no. faith matters, trust matters every single second of every single day because I'm consistently reminded, without you I'm nothing. And so it's in you I trust. In you I hope. It's in you that I find my assurance. You see? And then what's birthed out of that is men and women of God fully assured in the person and work of Christ. And so they say, then let's go. No more fear. No more holding back. I hope for you. I'm assured in you. And I wait till my faith is sight. You see? So God, here's what I pray. I pray for those who are fragile here. God, please encourage them tonight. God, for those that feel like any little wind or wave could just completely pull the rug out, I pray, Father, for them. God, help encourage them. God, do a work in their heart and their life, Father, that would just... Deepen their trust of you, God. Would you please do it? Only you can do it. God, for the non-existent, for the people who walked in here not believing that you're real, I pray that you, God, will just soften their heart, awaken their eyes, breathe salvation into them, God. God, help them experience the joy that's found in you, that their sins can be forgiven, God. I just pray that they'll believe that tonight. Right now, Father. Father. And God, for those who are tender, for those whose faith is unwavering, for those, God, who can just battle, I pray you'll continue to assure. Here we are, God, ready for the journey. Praying what your disciples prayed, increase our faith, O Lord. There's nothing sweeter, God. Thank you, God.